You're listening to DraftKings Network. Jewelry can say many things on your wedding day. As a wedding band, it can say, this is a forever symbol of our forever love. As a gift to your wedding party, it can say, thanks for standing up there with us. Blue Nile can help you find the piece that says it all and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. Maybe we should just expand the rosters to have three goalies. Yeah, Maybe that's, that's the thing. That everyone everyone says I'm that's saying. a bad idea, though. That's Everyone says that's a bad idea. But Why? this is... Everyone's wrong. <laughs> Except for us. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Too Many Men podcast. My name is Allison Lucan. And as always, I am joined by the always beautiful, but currently feeling like she has the best haircut of her life, Sarah Sivian. <laughs> Sarah. We did it, folks. They said it couldn't be done. How are you today? You can't see. Your people are going to. I'll watch this and be like, you can't even see her hair. Men, you don't understand what it's like to get a good haircut. You got to not wash your hair for a week. So I'm letting it, I'm marinating in it right now. I'm good. How are you? <laughs> we are, of course, nothing without the, look at this decoration. Look at this room design. Look at this <laughs> nesting house evolution by the amazing Shana Goldman. Shana, say hi. 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 All right. Well, friends, we had so much shitless last episode. We realize we now have so much hockey to discuss and we are recording on Wednesday. So we're looking back at an insane slate of hockey that happened on Tuesday and the game that everyone was talking about, although it was crazy because all the early games I kept flipping around, one was going to a shootout, one was going to overtime. It was just insane. Everyone is talking about the Florida-Pittsburgh game. By the time this was over, the final score was 7-6. The Penguins come back and win on a power play in overtime. Chris Letang returning after an extended absence due to injury and the loss of his father has a four-point night, including the game-winning goal, which was ridiculous. It felt like goaltending was optional in this game. And in fact, it probably was because they didn't even have the goaltenders they thought they were supposed to have. Shayna, walk us through this game. Tell the people what happened and particularly the concerns around goaltending. Yeah, that was a wild one. So like this season, we're seeing games finish in overtime more before heading to the shootout, which is what everybody wants, right? When there's an exciting game, the last thing you want is it to go to a shootout. You want it to end in three on three play. But the difference this year is we're seeing a higher percentage of power play goals in overtime too, and also more penalties being called in overtime. So power play goals are coming from plays that are called it late in regulation and in overtime. But I guess it's getting everyone the finish they want because we're actually seeing games end within that five minutes. This one was wild. There was literally no defense played. And if you're Florida, I understand you're in the second half of a back-to-back game. Like, whatever shit happens. And this was not the goaltender you expected to start. They expected Spencer Knight to play and then back up and then not anything at all. Which, okay, we're having a normal one in Florida. Very normal season. But, like, you gotta make his life a little easier. They didn't the night before either. So, it's it just you look at Florida and it's nice that they can have that offensive spark and they owe a lot of it to Carter Verhage, who I think 
when they need something to happen over the last years, it's him. He's the one that's always standing tall and like coming up off the rush. But you just see Florida's lack of defense. And then Pittsburgh, for whatever reason, decided to throw defense out the window as well. So it was just chaotic all around. And the playoff implications were huge from this one. So you expected a wild one, but I just don't think we expected this level. Sarah, there was only one goaltender available for each team, and we still don't necessarily even have clarity what was going on, particularly um, in Florida's situation, because Paul Maurice, after the game, uh, this is uh, reported by Wes Crosby at other NHL Crosby. Uh, <laughs> Paul Maurice said Spencer Knight wasn't ready to go tonight. I asked for clarification on if Knight was available to back up or if he was unavailable, period, but Maurice wouldn't say makes me think Pittsburgh and Florida were in the same spot tonight with one goalie and no backup. Walk yeah. us through that. What are the takes there? Poor Paul Maurice just got fined $25,000 about to get fined another $25,000 for lying. So good for him for shutting his mouth. I mean, that's tough. It's, you know, a rule is bad in the NHL when people have to constantly lie about it. Um, I, I think it's time take a look at the rules surrounding carrying goaltenders it's I, I love that the NHL is the only team any team any league that has a like emergency backup situation it's storied they're making Disney movies about them now but I, I just think it's not really great in the professional hockey aspect of it and then you get into situations like this and I think the taxi squad and being able to hold and call up certain goalies and all that jazz really elucidated the problem of if these are professional sports teams playing every single night there should be a little more leverage in the rules you should be it's just got to change it's had to change for a while I think goalies need to unionize maybe they can be a specific goalie union but I know a lot of them aren't happy with the way things currently are. I mean, I loved watching this game. And it's funny because I wrote about the Panthers yesterday before the game happened. And it was just like, there's something about them that's so off with the defense. It's like they just fail to clear the puck every time. And it's kind of a, like, I wonder if it's a systemic issue. It seems like it. I feel like you can plug whoever in and out and they're going to fail to clear the crease. So I don't know what to do about that, but I do think the goalie situation, there's been too many coincidences that hadn't happened in the past that I feel like they're happening over and over after the taxi squad. So it's like, let's draw from taxi squad rules and figure out some type of medium here. Here's the thing though, right? Like this is the same issue as, how do you get make sure that those players stay fresh and get their playing time, right? So what's mm -hmm. the answer there? Yeah, good question. Do you um, let them go back and forth more? Like, do you loosen up the waiver rules, which literally no one would want? I mean, the only team that's going to want that, ready for this, is the Toronto Maple Leafs, the team that kept losing <laughs> their goaltenders there on waivers. They would want How does this affect the Leafs? We want to loosen the rules because the Toronto Maple Leafs got fucked, and now that other teams are getting fucked, we're going to double confirm it. It took Toronto experiencing it the first know, the league hates the Leafs it needed another team to experience this for anybody to care anybody to react so we're going to loosen the rules for everybody but the Maple Leafs Maple Leafs are still getting fucked mm -hmm. we need that we can't live without your drama okay so Shana says relax the waiver rules and the call-up rules Sarah what do you want to see 
I would say the same exact thing. And I know that would be unpopular, but I think people would just come around to it. There's not going to be one solution that everybody's happy with, but I do think, I don't know. At the same time, I don't really know what happened here and people are being (laughs) closed lipped for like a real good reason. So I'd like to have a little more context to figure out where we go from here. But I've just seen behind the scenes over the past few years, a lot of frustration with goalie carousels and things like that. And I don't know, Casey DeSmith has played a lot for the Penguins. So I don't think there's an excuse. I I do think the Penguins should go get another goalie if they're going to get into the playoffs. Here's my hot take on if you have more goalies moving around. I think you should do more changing goalies in and out in a game. Yeah. How about that? Yes. Like well, you have you, a goalie who's better. We know on my feelings teams. on this, right? Like get get the fuck out, go back in. Oh, well, that's right. Yes, this is this is when Shayna becomes coach of an yeah. NHL team. Yeah, the goalies take excited. their own penalties. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, like just like you have like designated hitters in baseball and like closers, like here we're on a penalty kill. This guy's really good at penalty killing. Put him in net. Now take him out. Now put this like why not? That I would think keep him fresh. I, I agree, but that would require more work from head coaches. A lot of the time, you'll hear head coaches earnestly say, "I don't know anything about goaltending. I leave it to the goalie coach." So there's going to have to be more communication. But you know what? Deal with it. We need a goalie panel. Okay. After the all-star break, I'm figuring out a goalie panel for us. We're going okay. to speak. We're going to make lists of questions like this for goalies. We're going to spit we're our make lists bat- of questions. Yes. Any lack. We're, yeah, we're going to have our batshit ideas and we're going to give them to goalies. I need to know how would you respond to me as a head coach yelling at you? How would you respond to Allison saying, hey, you're going in for this penalty? Like, this is what I need to know. I have a good I'm, I'm all for it. Perhaps not that. the yelling though. I feel like maybe not. I'll the ask yelling. nicely. I won't I won't yell at them. I'm gonna say, okay. hey, hey, I'm okay. gonna tap them on the show. Hey, can can you switch out? All right, okay. The setting clock's cleared. Can you for this? Who? I'm not saying. I'll I'll tell you guys in the chat, but it will be a surprise when it comes on. I'll get it. <laughs> So yes, so this game was nuts. We don't we don't really know what happened with the goaltending. We just and so there's only one e-bug in a rink, right? There's only one. And Roberto Luongo is right there. He's right there. He should have been the second e-bug. I don't know if he would have said no. I feel like you need to have two e-bugs or at least someone in a team capacity. Maybe like how does everyone, maybe we should just expand the rosters to have three goalies. Yeah. Maybe that's, that's the well, thing. That everyone everyone is what says I'm that's saying. a bad idea though. That's everyone says that's a bad idea, but Why? this is, everyone's wrong. <laughs> Except for us. <laughs> I've had enough. <laughs> amazing, amazing, amazing. What um, about emergency recalls? Like those, those are a thing. Maybe, but this is when you get into the rules. travel and the geography. Like that's like okay. So we need goalie farms three. in every oh region. Gosh. We need a goalie farm per region. The other option is literally some guy. <laughs> like, we'll remember, and it was Florida as well. Remember many years ago where. It was when Luongo was with the Panthers and it was they Luongo, I believe, was ill. Whoever the backup was got hurt. And Derek McKenzie was literally like minutes away from dressing as a goaltender who, if you don't know who Derek McKenzie is, is certainly not a goaltender. But he did play one, I think, in junior, maybe. But it was that was a that was a whole moment. Okay, we've gone completely off the rails here. The or are we on the rails, the rails we should have been following all along? 
Oh my God, here we go. Um, the reason this game was so significant is that Florida, the President's Trophy winning Florida Panthers from last season, are currently sitting, and this, and Sarah, I know you were looking at this for some other teams yesterday too, Florida is at a minus five goal differential on the season, which speaks to their defense. And if we look at their point totals, they are at 52 points. That puts them four points behind the second wild card spot. And they have played the most, they are tied with Washington for the most games played in the East. So they are struggling to even make it into the postseason conversation right now. Their points percentage is 520, and a quick scan by me shows that for all the teams that are legitimately in a playoff conversation, it's the lowest. The only teams below them are Philly, Ottawa, Montreal, and Columbus. So that's where we're at. What are we thinking about how can Florida make it back into the playoffs, Shana? No. Nope, I don't. Nope, I don't see it. And it's like, there's like a hundred reasons why I don't see it. Some of it is on them and some of it isn't. Like what's on them is the roster construction. What's on them is the lack of assets to make changes. Should this be a team in the mix for Jacob Chikrin? Absolutely. And when you're listening to this, I will have something written literally about this with Chikrin and the Panthers and how they can't afford it, even though they need to. Um, You cannot goaltending all you want every day of the week. You can get by with average goaltending if you have a better defense. They don't. What is with what is with Paul Maurice and number one defenseman? Why is it that Josh Morrissey struggled so much under um, Maurice, especially in the later years, and now Aaron Ekblad is? Or is it just the fact that they sold off Mackenzie Weger? Like, there's a million reasons why this team isn't successful right now, and it comes down to their decisions over the last year and how they put themselves in this situation. And then you look at everybody around them. Buffalo won last night. If Florida didn't get a point and Buffalo won the game, which they did, it would have been a two-point difference, and there's a difference of three games played. Um, you have the Islanders who are kind of falling out, so that's going to help Florida some more. But if any team's poised to make a bigger splash, like, I don't know. I just don't think Florida has it in them. I'll say I, the Red Wings and the Islanders are falling off to me. They're kind of, they're done to me in the playoffs. I mean, the Islanders could come back, but I don't like the five game losing streak this late in the game. I I think the Panthers could squeeze in, but my gut's just telling me no. It's one of those things where not everybody can make it in and the East is so stacked. And I don't want to put too much faith in the Sabres because they've let me down so many times before, but I have a lot of faith in them, unfortunately. So I think they're going to make it over the Panthers. And the Panthers have just been so inconsistent that that ruins it for me. Well, and let's, Shana brought this up. Let's dive into some of the teams that are, okay, so let's recap for the people. In the East, the top three teams in the Metro are Carolina, New Jersey, and the Rangers. They're all right at 60 points or higher. The Rangers are at 59, but they're basically at 60 points for purposes of this conversation. The Atlantic, I mean, Boston, obviously, I mean, they hit 80 points already, which is insane to me. 80 points in 47 games played. Um, So no one's catching them. Toronto is second. Tampa Bay is third. They're all 60 points or higher. The wild card situation, we've got Pittsburgh, who we just talked about. They're in the first wild card position currently with 56 points and 47 games played. 
which is one off the fewest games played in the division. Washington is holding the second wild card spot, but they had some injuries last night, which we can talk about too. Uh, Tom Wilson going out of the game. And I think is Backstrom sick again? I think Backstrom was ill, but now we've got the Buffalo team that Sarah was just mentioning too, but Tajay Thompson has <laughs> eight points in his last five games. He's insane. Shayna is where does Buffalo end up in all of this? I still feel like Buffalo is going to end up just outside of it. But if Ooh. any team, if any team has the assets to do something to propel themselves into it, it's Buffalo. And they have some really smart minds in their front office now. They've really worked on having a more um, data-driven perspective and, you know, a more innovative approach. So you're going to hear Buffalo's name involved with it and they should be, you know, like that's exciting. So I don't know. They're for me, like the team that I wonder if they could be the disruptor of the East right now. And, you know, they have work to do defensively. They have work to do in goal, but I don't know. That offense is exciting. And then if they do make it, what do we make of Tajay? Like, is is he in the heart conversation if Buffalo just falls short, but he's the reason they're in the mix this entire time? Like, I would vote yes to that. I don't vote, so who knows? <laughs> you might I vote. would vote. I wonder if I get a vote this year. Sheena, why aren't you in the, in the union? I don't know. You're the okay. one that controls all of my adult like functions. So, <laughs> okay, we're um, gonna fix that. We're gonna fix that. We're I'm get... here for talking shit and writing things to influence people's votes. Allison, do you? I'm a hockey vote? voter influencer. No, if you work for a team, you cannot vote. Oh. You have, have you to before? be. A... Yes, I have before. So, but then they did the, what? What was it? Two years ago, when they switched to like it's just a selection of people. It's no. It used to be everyone, right? Like I got a ballot oh. every year, and then now it's like I don't know. I don't know. Anyway. Um, all right, Sarah, Tajay Thompson, postseason individual award winner or no, or maybe, and if maybe, what does it depend on? I know. I I have McDavid fatigue. Like, we get it. You're really good. But it's not his fault. He's so consistently good. And he just keeps getting better. I can't, like, I can't justify not voting for him for the heart right now. But uh, Tajay would get one of my votes if I get to vote again this year, if I'm so lucky. But I just love how dynamic his game is, right? And how he really, it, it's like the Taylor Hall. I almost said Tyler Hall, voting license. That's the first thing I think. Oh I think my God, like this that. is the human error. It's the <laughs> human error. I know. It's that season with the Devils when he won the heart. It's, it reminds me of the same thing, but I do want to give like Jeff Skinner and co credit because they're in. Deline has been a, a really good player for them and he's shaping up his game into the player that we thought he was going to be almost so I think it's been more of a collective effort but it's yeah. really hard for all these guys to do this with like minimal goaltending so I hand it to them but Tage has really jumped onto the scene does the little spinoramas does the toe drags but makes it look easy I'm so excited for him at the all-star game and I do think even if he doesn't win the heart this year he might be getting better and better. I don't know. I I just love his game. That's fair. He probably won't win it this year because I think this year is, like you said, like it's the race for second place. It's Connor McDavid's year. Yeah. But like, I don't know. I feel like it's a big thing for a player to get the finalist not. It could be a big thing in their contract. Obviously, that's not his concern. He already has his next contract. Right. You know, well, all planned but it out. could be in there. It could be in yeah, there. It could be in there. That could be a performance bonus for all we know. Finish yep. here. Like things like that it's but it would, it's just a big thing for Tajay 
to be in the mix with players like Jason Robertson and Connor McDavid. The fact that Buffalo is so relevant this year and the fact that like they're this year's America's team. Edmonton lost that title, mm-hmm. I think. And it's it's the Buffalo yeah. Sabres are America's <laughs> team this year. Who knows who will be it next year? <laughs> yeah, it's well, we're, we're going to have to do an award show again because, yes, like Connor McDavid, I'm oh, like, we get it. Like you said, Sarah, like I just can't. We need to talk about other people more, I guess. We do, but he has 88 points in I know, but like I think last year we had the he is. I think last year we had the fatigue with him though. It felt like everyone was like, Yeah, 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 he's in my he's on my heart ballot, but he's like two or three. No one was like, Yeah, he's winning it for me. Everyone was like, Yeah, but Matthews and Shesterkin, and here's another shiny toy, and here's Johnny Gaudreau and Kaprizov. And I vote goalies, but you know, I think if a goalie should be in the heart conversation, they probably should win it because there's usually like Connor Hellenbuck could be in it this year too, but no one's gonna do that because that's boring. I think I voted Shesterkin for Hart last year. He was in my top three regardless. You and Jeff If I Hart. voted, that's who I would have picked. Yeah. <laughs> uh, your influence, your impact. That's All right. Me. So so that's Buffalo. So we're high on Buffalo. Let's look on the other side of Florida. The Islanders. They are one, six, and three in their last 10. They've lost two. Lou Lamorello came out with the dreaded vote of confidence. Um, in his head coach, uh, I believe either yesterday or today, I saw that reported. What are the Islanders going to do, Shayna? I think everyone's paying attention to the Islanders now because they played the Leafs the other day and they hey! lost the Leafs. So now we all want to talk about the Islanders. It's the same thing with the Kraken a couple, a week ago, two weeks ago. Kraken play Toronto, they win, and everyone's like, oh my god, the Kraken are so good. <laughs> the Islanders lose to the Leafs. Everyone's like, oh wow, the Islanders are bad. I don't put this solely on Lane Lambert. I think the biggest question this year was how he was going to differentiate himself for Trotz. And I think the biggest thing was everyone had expectations for him to compared to Trotz when, like, don't forget how long they've worked together. And I don't know if he can, like, separate himself enough from Trotz just yet, especially with this roster. Like, this team needs goal scorers, period. They have needed a good middle six goal scorer at the very least. They could go top six, but like bars here, we're saying middle six for like years. It's like, oh, who could it be? And Oliver Wallstrom has not gotten the opportunity to jump out at that. So it's like, great, you have to look elsewhere and you don't have a ton of cap space. And your window legitimately is this year, next year, and the next year. And probably that's it when you look at the ages of your core. So what can you do to maximize it and capitalize off the fact that Sorokin's having an elite season like those are the things you should be trying to contend with right but you need something and Lou Lamorello literally does not do those things unless it's a player he previously had on a team Parise Palmieri anyone that it's like yeah I've had Andy Green I've had them on a team before I drafted them I traded for them or anything otherwise he doesn't go for them so where's an elite goal scorer that played on the Devils or Leafs of years past because that's the only way the Islanders are getting one Maybe he'll sign, he'll trade for Austin Matthews. There you go. <laughs> William Sarah, Nylander to the Islanders. Sarah, do the Islanders make the playoffs? No, there's too many good, exciting teams in the East. I liked that Lamorello stuck to his convictions, honestly, and that they looked good, but then they just started regressing. It's been regression the second half of the first half of the season. So <laughs> you just can't do that in this conference. Wait, are you gaming on a Chromebook? Yep. 
It's got a high-res 120 hertz display, plus this killer RGB keyboard. And I can access thousands of games anytime, anywhere. Stop playing. What? Get out of here. Huh? Yeah, I want you to stop playing and get out of here so I can game on that Chromebook. Got it. Discover the ultimate cloud gaming machine, a new kind of Chromebook. This episode is brought to you by Chevrolet. Now's your chance to support a team with real grit. The Chevy ZR2 family of off-road trucks. The first ever Silverado HD ZR2 joins the all-new Colorado ZR2 and the Silverado ZR2 for a commanding lineup of off-road ready trucks. Equipped to take on anything this season throws their way. Visit Chevy.com to learn more. What's up? It's Kaylee Cuoco. When it comes to travel, we all have a happy place. I just went to my happy place. I just went to Maui, and it was truly amazing. Priceline has always been about getting you to your happy place for a happy price with deals you really can't find anywhere else, like up to 60% off select hotels in Costa Rica or five-star hotels for two-star prices in Cabo. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Well, let's go to happier news. We're talking about all these teams struggling and clawing. Detroit might... Okay, let's talk about Detroit, though, real quick. Detroit has 46 games played. They have 48 points. That means they have four games in hand against teams who have played the most games in their division. The point spread is kind of a stretch. They need five more points to be in a wild card spot. But they do have a better goal differential than Florida, who is currently ahead of them. In their last 10, they're four, five, and one. Is Detroit going to be in this conversation come March or are they going to fade, Shayna? Um, I don't know if, I don't think they're going to be in this conversation come March. But what is interesting, like when you look at their schedule up to the All Star break, they play Montreal. That should be a winnable game. And then they play the Islanders. And if they could take two points from the Islanders who desperately need those two points, that's a little bit spicy too. So, I think also, though, you really needed that, like, Pittsburgh-Washington who play each other. Like, one has to differentiate themselves and start taking the points away. So that second wild card seed, like, even opens up. But they don't have goaltending. Huso's been fine, but, they, you know, Nadelkovich has struggled. Their defense still needs work. Jake Wallman has been, like, a fucking revelation for them. And playing with Mo Sider has completely changed his game. But they, too, need something up front. Like, they need a little help in each area. They're getting there. They have the creativity and the assets to make the change, but they need a little help. In the past 10 days, they've lost to the Blue Jackets, the Coyotes, and the Flyers. So it's just kind of fizzling out for me. And that's okay. I still trust the Iser plan. I, I think they're ahead of schedule anyway. And I'm loving the flashes of brilliance and things starting to get together for the team. But there's so many... They're honest about it too, which I respect, but they're waving Nadalkovich, they're waving players, and they're kind of figuring out the puzzle pieces still. And there's nothing wrong with that. Perfect. Well, there's six teams we mentioned that are locked into a position currently in the East. Let's review them again quick. And I'm going to have each of you share which team you're most worried about not being in a playoff position come March and April. Here we go. In the Metro, we have Carolina, New Jersey, and the Rangers. And in the Atlantic, we have Boston, Toronto, and Tampa Bay. Sarah, which team are you most concerned about not actually being in the playoff conversation come the end of the season? 
Tampa has been really quiet this season, but they're just veterans at this point. So I expect them to turn it on when they can. And I don't think they're going to be in the cup final or anything like that this year, but I think they're going to make the playoffs. So I'm going to go with the Rangers just because there's been a range of play. (laughs) Shayna, who's your pick? Um, Yeah, I think, I think Tampa stays in it because I don't think anyone in the Atlantic is good enough to jump over it. Like, not doing anything for me. I feel like the Metro is so much more competitive. So it's got to be the Rangers or the Devils. And given some underlying numbers, you know, the Rangers have the goaltending power play advantage, but like the five on five play is still suspect. So I think it has to be them too. Interesting. 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 All right. Um, last question right now. What about now, you? Me? Well, mine is New York. I also feel that they are rangy in their efforts, but I like your points on New Jersey. I will, I will pay more attention. Um, as I mentioned, Pittsburgh and Washington are the current two wild cards. Who are your picks right now for the Eastern wild card spots come end of the season, Sarah? Oh, I don't know. Like, honestly, if it, if I have to choose between Pittsburgh and Washington, them, you could say they stay there. That's totally an option too. I think they're going to both stay there. Give us one last show. Okay. Shayna? I agree, I think. Washington, for me, a couple, like a month ago, month and a half ago, I was kind of like, maybe their time has come to an end. Like, even though the injuries were mounting for them and that's not their fault, it felt like they were sliding. But over the last month, they've been one of the best five-on-five teams in the league. Like, I can't ignore that. And Pittsburgh, it just feels like they'll, they'll make the moves to keep themselves in there. Like they're going to be, I feel like they're going to be fine. So I have to stick with the two of them as much as I would truly love to see a team like Buffalo get in there and spice it up. You know what? Uh, I'm actually going to go, sorry. I'm going to go Buffalo and Washington. Allison, your turn. So there you go. Now we have some variety, some controversy to watch for. (laughs) Uh, We would be though remiss. We've talked about all these teams struggling for getting into a postseason spot this is when the games start to get really really interesting and as Shayna pointed out four point games become hugely important uh interdivisionally and with all these teams jockeying but we do need to tip our cap to the Boston Bruins I mentioned this when we recap the standings 47 games played 80 points 80 they've only lost at home once in regulation to the Seattle Kraken but only once in regulation and only three times otherwise. And that took extra time. They are on a six game win streak. Sarah, can you put into perspective what this year's Bruins team is actually doing right now? No, like I really, (laughs) there's no perspective to give. They are shattering NHL records and they're going to continue to do so there. It's like every 10 days, you feel like they're going to regress and they, or they're going to go on a losing streak and they never do. And I remember like the, after the first month of the season saying, okay, they're on pace to win the most games in NHL regular season history, but it's ridiculous to assume that they're going to do that. And it's still a good season if they don't, but every month you look back and you're like, Oh, they're still on pace to do this. They're still very much on pace to do this, even if they have a losing streak. So they are coming for the 95, 96 Red Wings records. And that is terrifying. I am really enjoying watching it. It's there's so many elements to it, right? There's David Pasternak having this amazing 
season. He's such a humble guy and he grew up kind of poor and he said like he gives back to his community so much and he's having the best season he could have like going into free agency. So I'm so happy for him. Jim Montgomery, second chance. You can tell he's taking it to heart. There's Bergeron's back. Craigie's finally getting the respect that he's always deserved. There's so many elements and good for them. Love it. Yeah, it's crazy. I heard, you know, some people are referencing to the the Tampa Bay Lightning from what was that, 1819, when they were so good, but then they mm-hmm. lost in the playoffs to the Columbus Blue Jackets. But the difference there was that was Tampa Bay hadn't done anything significant in the postseason yet. And they always yeah. point back to that now as kind of their the seminal moment, like their formative moment. But the Bruins have already been just wrecking balls in the playoffs for a while. So this could be really terrifying. Shana, what's impressed is what has impressed you the most about the Bruins this year? Could you imagine if it's like Boston Buffalo round one and fucking Buffalo upset them? Like that's what you just gave me. Like it popped into my mind the second you cited Tampa Bay. So I was like, oh my God, like how they fell apart. Um no, with Boston, though, it's just all around dominance. Like the forward group is stacked and they figured out the right balance. So it's not just a super, super, super top heavy team. And they still are a top heavy team, but it just feels a little bit different. Um, the way they're managing through injuries is super impressive. The defense is stellar. Hampus Lindholm, it shows the impact of environment and systems and how to maximize players that change from Anaheim to Boston. He's playing like a Norris caliber player. And he was before McAvoy was back too. And the goaltending, like, do they have a ton to work with? No, but they're responding to their work uh, workloads as well as they could. And then coaching, it's a huge impact. You see Montgomery, like, tweaking fundamental parts of players' games to figure out ways to improve them and, you know, give them a different look. You see players like Charlie Coyle playing a lot better under him, and Debraska is a huge one. So mm-hmm. it's just the all-around vibes. And this is a team that management hasn't been perfect with. We've talked shit about the choices they've made before, especially with a lot of like their up and coming players, they usually do well via trade with like additions, like Taylor Hall was a good addition and Coyle and Lindholm. But then we look at things like where's your young players, but they're managing without it. And it's really impressive. It is. It is indeed. Well, the East is going to be interesting. We certainly don't want to be all East coast bias. We will quickly just acknowledge Uh, that in the West, we have a couple teams on huge win streaks. We'll dive into the Western Conference more in another episode, but just quickly shouting out, you know, Colorado was, what was it, even just a week ago, completely out of the the playoff conversation. They're starting to get healthy again. And they too, much like the, just like the Bruins, have rattled off six straight wins, as have the Edmonton Oilers. And if we look at the standings now in the West – Edmonton is holding down the first wild card position and Colorado is third in the central. Which of these two teams are you more impressed with and or more confident with holding down a postseason spot? Shayna. I'm more impressed with Colorado because they've had a lot of injuries. Like they still don't have Lance Cog back and Nichushkin's been in and out and McKinnon was hurt and McCarr has been hurt. McCarr, so yeah. There's so many injuries that they're dealing with and they're managing. And yes, it took them a minute. And you even see players like Alex Newhook right now is really, really, really picking it up. And that's so important because he was someone they wanted to take on the role of second line center and it didn't work. So they keep having to shuffle through that role with like Evan Rodriguez to figure out like who can replace Nazem Kadri. And when they didn't have the elite wingers they should to support the line because of the injuries to like Landis Cog and such, it, it hurt the center position. They couldn't 
properly assess it. Now it feels like they're getting a better like vibe check of who they are and what they can be. So I, it's impressive for me. Like, oh, there's the best team in the league. They're back. Sarah, the former America's team, the Connor McDavid's or the Avs. Who are you more impressed with right now? Allison, you're really grilling us today. I kind of feel like I'm taking the SATs. Um, I, <laughs> I want to say the Avs. I felt like the cup hangover is fine, right? Like they're allowed to be a little bad in the beginning of the season. Then they're, McKinnon's out, Landeskog's out, Mishushkin. There's so many players that have been impacted by injury early on for them. But good teams know kind of when to take a deep breath, when to relax, and then, oh, shit. Okay, we're actually falling out of the playoff race. Let's get some consistency. And our boy Peter reported that they had a team meeting. And ever since then they've won six straight. So I feel like that just goes to show they were a little lost and chilling after a really hard playoff run. Everybody's injured. And now they're like, okay, guys, let's get real BFFR. And they are being real now. <laughs> All right. Well, my friends, wait, wait, that, wait, your pick. Wait, what? Your my pick? Yeah. Yes, come on. I, You're grilling us. I pick, I pick Colorado just because I'm with Sarah. I believe that you know, I already said this about Boston, right? Part of what makes them so dangerous is that they have postseason experience. And as Sarah pointed out, they're not even one year removed from realizing what it takes to get it all. And Edmonton always finds a way to melt down in some way, shape or form. So I believe in the Colorado Avalanche. I'm over the former America's team. Meh. Meh. What happens first? Connor McDavid gets a personality or actually wins a Stanley Cup? <laughs> That's for you to decide. Who's to say? It's going to be a Stanley Cup, but it's not going to be in Edmonton. <laughs> <laughs> Leandre Seidel's going to ask out and Connor McDavid's going to follow him because he can't be the one to lead that decision. That would require having a personality. He has to wait for everything to fall apart. Then he'll follow. Connor McDavid's <laughs> going to come to the Bruins. I'm going to be there every single day with another ridiculous question to ask him to force him to have a personality. That is the game plan for mine and his careers. I'm going to, yeah. if he comes to the East, I want to become a beat reporter just to follow him around and yeah. ask him ridiculous questions and see. I just, I, I, I'm i going to like beg to get an ounce, an ounce of personality and be like, how does it feel to live on the East Coast and not have a heated driveway? I know. We like joke. things like that. I know. We joke, but that was literally my career for a few years and I kind of miss it. <laughs> I would bring right. it back for McDavid. Anyway. Anyway. Well, we, uh, we, uh broke down all this Eastern dialogue and discourse uh, today. So let's end with our favorite game and keep it focused on the East. It is Fuck, Mary Kill. And my friends, we are not acknowledging Vancouver yet. Yes, Rick Tockett won his first game, but every team usually wins their first game with a new coach. We'll wait to see what happens when he's three, four, five games in. Also, he played Chicago. They played Chicago. Yeah. Come on. Chicago had what, like four shots on goal in the second it period was or something pathetic. like that? It was insane. Um, yes, exactly. Uh, but, you know, everyone is reporting, not us, because we are the outsiders, not the insiders, is reporting that Bo Horvat, captain of the Canucks, did you guys see that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the Canucks uh, is going to be traded from Vancouver. So, my friends, I ask you to fuck, Mary kill three teams that could be contenders in the Bo Horvat sweepstakes. Shayna, you're first. Here you go. The Bruins, the Canes, or the Devils. Go. Okay. I am going to... I'm going to kill the Bruins. They don't need 
They don't need him. They're fine. You have Bergeron, you have David Krejci, who's doing great, and then you have Charlie Coyle. You don't need him, Boston. You're too good. No, I'm just going to say it. No, go for smaller pieces right now. I don't think it makes enough sense for Boston. I mean, maybe they should capitalize on this year a little bit more, but I don't think this is the way to do it. So I will kill them. I will fuck New Jersey because, again, this team that doesn't need center depth unless he's going to be your third-line center, which, I mean, on a contender, being that is not a bad thing, but I... I kind of like the idea of the Devils going in on like Timo Meyer and being like the Swiss team like that, like the Carolina version with the Finns. It's like all Swiss here. Like that's what we need. Um, and then I will marry the idea of the Canes because I, I mean, they do need another center. Paul Stasny has been playing second line center. It obviously hasn't worked out amazingly with Kakaniemi playing that role that they wanted him to. And they need to replace Trocek. And I think Horvat would actually fit in really well there. I think his style of play would kind of mesh with Rod Brindamore. I think that the way he's worked on his game to like improve his tips and deflections and stuff would like really click well with them. So, and they need someone who can just finish their chances, which he's doing really well. It's going to run out, but I feel like in their system, maybe he extends it. Sarah. Yeah. Unfortunately, I totally agree with you on every single point and just want to reiterate <laughs> all of that, but obviously the brew. It depends what the return is, too. So yeah. that's because you don't want to mess up chemistry. Rod has talked about that a lot, how he would rather not make a move when he really likes the group. And it's the same with the Bru. You can tell the Bruins have something special right now. And But Horvat isn't somebody that's going to come in and disrupt everything. But I do think when I look at the Bru, I'm like, what would they even need? Right. It's just too right. much of a risk to give up likely like they don't have a first rounder so what are they going to give up for him and I think the Canes have already made so many moves that have shifted things that it could be okay to make another one right and Stastny you're so right hasn't really worked out has been pretty quiet so they could use another center this is like literally the well after last episodes like we were so distraught over our fuck Mary kill. This is now actually the the laziest fuck Mary kill because I agree. I want I'm I was trying to find a way to be team chaos and like say Bruins like go in and just go th with a total curveball, but I can't even do it. I can't do it to make sense. And I think the only thing that could change this and what also sways me to the Canes is that what happens if there's a significant injury to one of your? I mean, DeBrusque is, is slated to come back, so that's a good thing. Um, but, you know, we talked last episode about the Canes losing Pacioretty. And so there was a role. It's not the same player, but there was a role and a spot being held for acknowledging they needed another piece. And maybe that is now a Bo Horvat shaped hole. Who's to say? Who's to say? But do you know what's right, nice, my... though? Oh, sorry. What? But like, no, go. no matter what, I'm going to marry all of these in a way because it will get Bo Horvat in a much better environment no matter what. It seems like the vibes of the locker room of all three of these teams is so different from Vancouver. And it's yes. not just the management perspective, but like within the team. So he seems like a nice person and I feel <laughs> for him. So I'm like, please just get somewhere better. So I will like, that's the one perk about Boston that I think we could figure out a way to move it out of kill territory is like, imagine him in that locker room. He's, it would be like culture shock for him. He'd be like, what am I doing? It'd be like, it'd be like Christmas. It'd be like Christmas. Every day. Like, Christmas come here, my day. sweet child. <laughs> <laughs> All right, my friends. Well, that does it for us this episode. 
Um, as always, remember that you can follow us on Twitter at two underscore much underscore man. And if you don't follow us, you can't be a douche and send your stupid ass replies because you <laughs> think you know what we're about, even though you didn't listen to the episode. So just stop talking. You're embarrassing yourself. Shut up and go away. Mm -hmm. uh, but people, if you would like to interact with us and follow us and comment and let us know, fuck, Mary kill nominations or other topics you'd like to see, please do so there. You can also find in our Twitter bio, Twitter bio links to our merch. Please go out and get a sweatshirt, a tee, a fanny pack, a switch case, all delightfully adorned with your favorite podcast logo to many men. And until we talk again, please do even the smallest thing to make sure that hockey truly is for everyone. And we will talk to you soon. Love you. Bye.